When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What you are dealing with with Donald Trump in terms of how he promotes things that are not true is something different than we have ever seen with a president. Unfounded, not based in fact or reason, with no evidence to support them. These are bold-faced lies. His idea of the truth is fast and loose. He's the liar. He's the one that has to be held accountable. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast the show about the man who put the me back in Memorial Day, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. In case you missed it, I'm referring to Donald Trump's weekend tweet where he said that those who died for our country would be happy and proud of how well America is doing under his leadership. To which I say, what a disgusting, solipsistic, dishonest thing for a president to say. I mean, really, Jesus Christ. But you can't call it a lie. For one thing, it has no factual content. Dead people would be happy? They're dead. It's an absurd proposition. But other things Trump said over the holiday weekend look a lot more like conventional lies. For example, he accused the New York Times of quoting a senior White House official who doesn't exist on North Korea. Trump called that person a phony source. That phony source, who said it wouldn't be easy to have the North Korea summit in a couple of weeks after all, was a National Security Council official named Matt Pottinger. He briefed 50 reporters on background, just a few steps away from the Oval Office. Trump also falsely blamed Democrats for a horrible law separating immigrant children from their parents. In fact, that's his own policy. He just announced it. Maggie Haberman, the incredibly well-sourced New York Times White House reporter, caught a load of flack for calling these demonstrable falsehoods on Twitter. Let's call a lie a lie, a lot of angry people responded, suggesting that Haberman and the Times were somehow going soft on Trump. Haberman responded that a lie requires conscious intent, and in this instance, it was lacking. Should journalists be using the L word a lot more often, or should we just let lying dogs sleep? I'll be back to discuss it with the encyclopedist of Trump's lies, Daniel Dale of the Toronto Star. But first... Leaking to the press, the Trump administration just can't get its own officials to stop. Okay, Sean, have a seat. Okay. Okay, cool. So as you know, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders gave that big speech to everyone here in the communications department about the problem with leaking. Yes, bad. But the problem hasn't stopped. So I'm just uh, giving her a hand, sitting down with everyone one-on-one and just making sure that everyone understands that leaks need to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad, you know, I I respect that. Hey, real quick, Sean. um, Yes. uh, Would you mind putting your phone down? Putting your phone down. Down. Um, hey, uh, let me just look at that phone real quick. Yeah, sure. What? Yeah. You're just okay. You're just writing down exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna. I'm calling Maggie Haberman at three. So I just wanted to get exactly what you okay, said. Okay, well, this is actually exactly what, what I'm talking about. So you're leaking this conversation about leaks. Oh, that. So, so that's the kind of thing that you guys are. 
upset about? Exactly. So, okay. So go ahead. Yeah, just put your phone down. Perfect. So as a member of this administration, it's really important that, Sean, why did you just open your laptop? Oh, I just wanted to write down exactly what you're saying because I'm, I'm pasting it into the body of an email that I'm sending to uh, Chris Hayes. He's all in, so. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm just going to uh, close that laptop. Again, um, <clears throat> I really feel like you're not getting the point here. So this administration is crumbling a little bit because of the... That's a hot quote. This administration is crumbling. An inside source. That's going to be good. Wait, why do you have a birdcage with you? Uh, this is my carrier pigeon. He flies to Jim Acosta. Oh. So I'm just tying this parchment. Okay, don't. I don't want to hurt the bird, but I'm going to take the bird from you, okay? Uh, okay, I got the bird. I guess, how will I leak? The, you won't, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, so even that is considered like a leak. Yeah, all of the things you're doing are, 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 are you rubbing flint and steel together right now? Uh, yeah, is that, is that against the, I guess I'm, I, I need this policy clarified for me a little bit. Well, it just looks like you're trying to set fire to that pile of logs. Well, what I'm doing is I'm sending a series of smoke signals out the window because Katie Turr over at MSNBC is able to read them. Okay, Sean, I I'm going to cut you off right there. Everything that you're doing, every single thing, is what I'm trying to get you to stop doing. Uh, okay, I mean, is that outlined specifically anywhere? Yeah, it's outlined just... several places specifically, but I'm also outlining it right now to you. Okay, Can, do you mind if I open the window? It's just a little warm in here. Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, okay so just to uh, carry on here. Okay, uh, so just to carry on here. Are you shouting are what you I'm shouting saying? Are you shouting what I'm saying? Come Don't, on. come on. Is there a reporter down is on the street? Is there a reporter right down right. on the street? A highly placed administration official said. All right, we're going to have to let you go, Sean. That sketch was improvised here in our Brooklyn studio by Asher Perlman and Steve Waltine of The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. You can catch them at our live show tomorrow night, that's Wednesday, at the Bell House in Brooklyn. There are a few tickets left, and I mean that. It might even just be standing room. Go to slate.com slash live. Joining me on the line is Daniel Dale. He's the Washington correspondent of the Toronto Star. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You know, I've been wanting to have you on Trumpcast for, for ages because you do this fantastic list of all of the, I believe the term you use is false things. The president says, I checked it today, as I often do, the, the list, which begins, I should say, only since he was sworn in as president, was at last check. 1,617. Am I up to date? That's right. We just did that update. Yep. <laughs> um, how did you end up doing this? And what are, what are you trying to accomplish by cataloging all of the president's, uh, for the moment, let's call them untrue statements? Sure. Um, I started doing it in September of 2016. So late in the campaign, uh, where Trump was being so dishonest, literally every day, um, he was saying 15 plus false things, uh, on 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 any given on any given day, you know, he was having two three rallies, and it was just so extremely dishonest all the time. And I, and I my my concern was that this dishonesty was being treated as kind of a sideshow to the campaign, rather than the show, you know, rather than a central story of Donald Trump's candidacy. And so what what was happening was that reporters would call out, 
many of these false claims on Twitter, you know, if they were at the rally or whatever. But if you were to read their story in the next day's paper or watch their, the evening news segment, they, they wouldn't be mentioned at all. It would be, you know, Trump attacks such and such. Uh, Trump makes, you know, this, this claim about Clinton. Um, Trump talks tax policy or health policy. And, and nowhere would it say, you know, Donald Trump said 24 false things in that speech. And so I, I thought, you know, this needs to be treated as a story in itself. And I, I thought the best way of, of communicating just the sheer volume that, that we were dealing with and how unusual this was, was by, was by trying to make a comprehensive list. So you've been dealing with this reaction that also hit Maggie Haberman of the New York Times over the weekend when she referred to a couple of Trump's most recent falsehoods as as falsehoods rather than lies. People just say, why don't you call them lies? Now, obviously, of these 617 things, some of them aren't lies in the conventional sense. They're, they're inaccurate statements or mistakes, but lots of them are lies. So why don't yeah. you cat? Why do you catalog false things rather than lies? Well, it's because, you know, there, there is a mix. And I just, for the title of my, my list, um, you know, I want to choose the term that is correct for all of them. So, you know, a lie is also a false, I call them false claims. So, uh, you know, a lie is also a false claim, but a false claim may not be a lie. And so, you know, I didn't want it to get into a situation where I had to make a judgment on each and every one. And so I thought, you know, let's stick to what is clearly true about all of them. And then for individual ones, when I write about them in my news copy or on Twitter, you know, I do, I do call many of them lies. And I did this weekend. I think I've used the word lie something like seven or eight times for, for Trump claims this week. So I do use the word. I do think it's a good word that people should use more often in the U.S. media. I think Trump clearly lies all the time. It's just not not the case that every single one of his false statements is deliberate. And that's why I don't think each and every one is a lie. What about some of these, just looking at a couple of recent ones, I mean, over the weekend, the flare-up was about two things he said. One was he said that this senior White House official quoted in the New, who he saw quoted in the New York Times saying it would be hard to get the North Korea summit going again in time. He said that that person was was didn't exist. And it was he said it was a phony source. All right. So it turns out there was an off-the-record briefing from this national security official, Matt Pottinger. There are 50 people in the room. It's right by the Oval Office. It turns out he does exist. He, I think he might feel very strongly that he exists. Um, <laughs> was that a lie? I, I called it a lie. Um, Maggie Haberman's argument, um, you know, she took all the flack for calling it, I think, yeah. a demonstrable falsehood, was that Trump— you know, I, actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak for it because I don't remember exactly what she said, but I think she argued that you know, Trump often con- convinces himself that uh, non-reality is reality, um, and, and he's, also, he's also out of the loop and, and doesn't know things. Um, I, I called it a lie because I think, you know, either, like, there's two possibilities. Either he, he knew or he's being dishonest and smearing people uh, with something that he could easily have known and should have known before smearing people if he didn't. Um, but I see the argument that, you know, we, we don't know what he knew there. And so, I, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on whether I should should have just stuck to false claim there. We can't prove it's a lie. It could be a lie because he might have known, but he might he might not have known. You don't want to you don't want to uh, underestimate his ignorance about what's going on steps from the Oval Office. Right. <laughs> he might not have known this briefing was happening. He sees this. He makes assumptions. But that is different yeah, from a yeah. lie. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of. Evolve. Well, I'm with Maggie Haberman's position on this. Let's keep the term live for when we know the person knows they're, they're saying something that's not true. That's fair. That's fair, for sure. Journalists like you and like Maggie Haberman, like me, are 
you know, trying to be very precise in what we call these things. Is this a falsehood? Is it a demonstrable, demonstrable falsehood? Is it a lie? Is it a misleading statement? You know, meanwhile, the president is just spewing crap all the time. He doesn't care which, which category it's in, 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 we put it in. And, I mean, do you sometimes feel like, you know, a butterfly collector kind of with your little little album saying, you know, this is a black peppered moth versus a white peppered moth. And, you know, meanwhile, the moths are just flying around. They don't care. He doesn't care what you call it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that all the time. You know, one of the things that Trump is, is frequently inaccurate about is trade. He'll, he'll habitually um, wildly exaggerate, and I think that's lying too, the trade deficit numbers. So we'll say the trade deficit with China was $504 billion last year. In fact, it was $337 billion. And so I've had to point that out something like 30 <laughs> times um, since January 2017. And, you know, do I think that that is going to change the, the 2020 or 2018 election? No. Do I think it's going to impact the way people see Trump? No. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, we're drowning in in, in nonsense, uh, we're drowning in, in dishonesty. And yeah, you, when, you, when you point out, you know, a little one, you do feel like, what's the point? But I think, you know, a lot of people want the information. And even if you generally know that Trump is a liar, you may not know how he's lying about a particular policy matter. And, and I think a lot of people want that information. So there are moments where you feel like it's a you know, Sisyphean task, you're not being very useful. But I think on the whole, it's a, it's a worthwhile endeavor. I mean, the, just the weight of the evidence you've accumulated becomes so overwhelming. And I do find it useful to say, you know, he's repeated this lie 37 times. And, you know, whereas this one, he's only told once, you know, it's an outlier. Maybe it's not something that he habitually repeats. But, um, you know, there's an argument that that not only does is this not having any effect on him, but in some ways it helps him. There are some people who've looked at the psychology ar- around misinformation and lying, say that in a strange way, the uh, in relation to the the way the human brain seems to work, sometimes exposing lies can have the 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 paradoxical effect of reinforcing them. Yes, I, I've seen some of that research. I've also seen some contrary research where you know people, academics, have found that there is not that kind of uh, uh, there is not a major backlash effect um, when it comes to to fact checking. My my attitude as a reporter is, you know, even if there there are some people out there in the American electorate um, who are going to like Trump more because I told them that you know he he says something incorrectly about trade, you know, thirty seven times. My job as a reporter and all of our jobs, I think, is to to get facts to people, to get accurate information to people, and to, to, to challenge the dishonesty of people in power. And so I can't worry too much. I don't think about how people are responding. My job is to, I think, to, just to get the information out there. But if we do want people to, to care about this, Daniel, people who don't already care, that is the, not the people we talk to every, every day, you know, we do have to think about the psychology a little bit. And that comes back to this question of whether you call it a lie. I mean, part of the reason that I don't use the the term lie too much or or habitually or what I would feels ex- would feel like an excessive amount is it just sounds shrill and counterproductive and unpersuasive and you don't want to be the the guy or the person going around saying lie liar liars liars all the time you know it's it's <laughs> exhausting and boring to everybody yeah i i hear that and i you know i do consider the reactions 
on occasion when you know I'm, I'm, I try to do as much live fact checking as as possible because I think it's it seems most effective. People are most interested, you know, the the, the sooner you do it after he, he actually utters the false claim, you know. And, and so you know if he's if I've already called out you know 15 things in that speech and then you know he's off by 20 billion about some trade deficit, you know, I might let that go in the moment because. I don't want people to to see me as as you know the the triviality obsessed you know pedantic clown. Um, but I think in other ways I've sort of embraced um, embraced that status. I think you know my, the argument I've made is that we cannot let ourselves get get worn down by Trump's persistence in dishonesty. I think he is shameless about it. He's not going to stop. And I think if we stop because we're afraid that people will think we're were boring or shrill, then I think that he he has triumphed. So uh, my attitude generally is is you know let people call me boring or repetitive. I, I, I think I just still have to keep doing it. You know, another journalist who's looked closely at this, Daniel, is uh, David Leonhardt at the New York Times, and he's been, I think, very interested in the question of if we're going to do this previously largely unprecedented thing and and call the president a liar, which I think he's in favor of, and he's been counting up according to some different interpretive uh, Mm -hmm. uh, tool, the same thing. But he he said, well, what what of previous presidents? Were they, how did their lies compare? Because surely the comparison is not, you know, 1,617 false claims versus zero, it would be a much lower number, presumably mm. for Barack Obama or George W. Bush or or any pre- previous president. But what would that number be if we held them to the same rule? I mean, do you have any sense of that? I mean, if you, by by your standard, how many false claims did Barack Obama make? I, it can't I be zero. I, it's, it's certainly not zero. We know that, you know, every president has lied on occasion and certainly otherwise been inaccurate, uttered false claims. I, I wish that I had to, had you know been around uh, you know to compile this data for previous presidents. I think the thing is that um, you know by by every historian's account, we've never seen a serial daily liar like Trump, and so this kind of effort I think hasn't occurred to reporters in the past. But we know, I mean, one metric is I would fact check um, all the presidential debates. And um, every debate, it was like Trump 30 plus and Hillary Clinton like four. And I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, you can't scientifically extrapolate to the rest of the campaign or certainly not to Barack Obama. But I think it's clear that, that Trump is just on a whole other plane than everyone who came before, you know, even if you know, you think George W. Bush lied us into war, Barack Obama, you know, lied about, you know, keeping your doctor under Obamacare. Just this daily, daily avalanche is not something we've seen. I mean, those are both, you know, very good examples because I don't think either of those was a lie in any conventional sense. You know, I, I think George W. Bush used dishonest evidence, but I think he believed Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, as did most people in Washington, many of his opponents included. And he didn't he didn't lie to get us into war he thought he thought he was telling the truth now his standards of evidence were were uh very poor but he was he was in some ways misled rather than intentionally misleading right and i think that's that's you know that's the trump difference so the you know many of those bush claims you could call false claims with trump you know he he is making stuff up whole cloth for no reason so bush you can say okay he you know, for whatever reason, he relied on or deployed misleading or inaccurate information for the strategic purpose of, you know, building a coalition or public support, you know, for this this policy that he wanted. You know, with Trump, he's he's making stuff up about entirely meaningless things, um, often just to to make himself look good. So, you know, he'll say, 
when he's criticized for his speech to the Boy Scouts, he'll say, no, no, the head of the Boy Scouts called me and said, this was the greatest speech that had ever been given to the Boy Scouts. It, it, we later learned that that call never happened. The White House has to admit that. And so this kind of trivial, you know, there's no other word, I think, for that than other than lying. That's a particularly just, good one, Daniel, because there was nowhere he could have gotten that from. He said, this guy called me, right, and this exactly. guy did not call him. He didn't hear that on Fox News. He didn't hear, you know, Steve Bannon right. gossiping about it in the Oval Office. That couldn't really be anything. I mean, there is a case where lie is really the right term and the only term to use. Yeah, and there, there are a fair number of those. When he says, you know, I don't watch CNN, and then he'll live tweet CNN, you know, the next hour or the next day. Like, he, he claimed during the campaign that he won the Michigan Man of the Year <laughs> Award. And then he, he, he resuscitated that uh, recently when he went to Michigan and said, uh, I won the Republican of the Year Award in Michigan even before I was a Republican. So I contacted the Republican Party in Michigan. He got no response. There, there are no... Trump won no such awards. I don't think there is a Michigan Man of the Year award. And so he's, co- he's constantly just you know, coming up with these complete, complete fabrications. What's happened to Trump's rate of deceit? Has it accelerated, decelerated? Is it, does it show any patterns? It, it has accelerated. Um, it, so it, it's accelerated even since uh, 2018 began. He averaged, by my count, 2.9 false claims in 2017. It's now up to, I haven't actually done this calculation in the last couple of weeks, but it's, it's up above four of false claims. So he's, he's averaging one more a day, which is substantial um, in 2018. What, what happened was in the first three months of his time in office, it was relatively low. Um, I, it, was, it was under 50, I believe, certainly under, under 75. And now he is almost always well above 100 every month. So it seems like he, he got comfortable in office and just and just let go. And, you know, when, when, when he deviates from his scripts um, and starts ad-libbing, um, that's when we see, see more false claims. So, Daniel, the uh, false claim meter, where will it end up? I guess it depends how long he stays in office, right? But, I mean, if he's, going, if he's doing more than four a day, what's, we can make a prediction by the end of the year he will have made how many false claims? Yeah, don't, don't make me do that math on the spot. But, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's four a day. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be in, in the thousands, you know, if he, if he serves a four-year term. Amazing. Well, uh, this is a terrific resource you've been providing, and maybe one of our listeners will figure out a way to um, put it in, in neon in a very public space. Maybe Tom Steyer, if you're listening, this would be a project to endow, take a little money away from your impeachment campaign and put a little into the uh, the lie tracker in some very public place, and ideally in Washington, ideally across from the Trump International Hotel. Perfect spot, yeah. I've been speaking to Daniel Dale of the Washington Bureau of the Toronto Star. Daniel, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. Our sketch was improvised by Steve Waltine and Asher Perlman of The Opposition with Jordan Klepper. We love our advertisers here at Trumpcast, but not everybody loves ads. And you can listen to Slate shows without them if you become a member of Slate Plus. That's only one of the great benefits you get. And the most important is helping to support Slate's journalism. Join Slate Plus. You can become a member by going to slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Trumpcast.